You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Well, it's good to be home. Uh, As Robin said, we are officially uh, living in Charlotte full-time, which has been amazing. If anyone's looking for a nice little summer cottage, we've got one for sale up in the mountains. You let me know, cut you a deal. It comes with a free Bible from the Gideon. So, um, hey, I do want to say this before we dive in. I have an interesting message that I'm not sure I've ever really um, hit like this before. So we'll see where this goes. But I also just had this sense during worship that God's just going to like um, do some things this morning that we can't do. Open some some doors and places that maybe we can't open on our own. Um, so I want to make sure I leave a little space this morning for some ministry um, and see what God could do. So. Um, I do also, um, well, I'll save that for later. Matthew chapter number 13. I'm going to very strategically try to follow Jesus and my notes this morning so that I do not get myself into trouble. I've had three weeks off, so I'm kind of angry. Oh... Matthew 13, I want to draw not just uh, deep context here, but just some loose principles um, for us to think about. This is Jesus giving a parable of the sower. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. He was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up, some on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, The plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Everybody say root. Root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears to hear, whoever has ears, let them hear. Um, Here's what's true. It's important what we sow. It's important when we sow. And it's extremely important where we sow. Amen. Um, but there is a difference between being planted and being rooted. One more time for fun, say rooted. There's a difference between being planted and being rooted. You can be planted and not yet rooted. And there's a difference between being planted, being rooted, and being fruitful. You can be rooted but not yet be fruitful. Okay. Um, as we were getting our house ready to sell the past few weeks, one of the things I wanted to do was make sure the yard looked good so that buyers would find it more attractive. And so I went and got some grass seed, and um, I just scattered it out and always put more than I need to because I know half of it won't come in. Um, but I didn't aerate, if you know what that is, this time of year uh, or this time this year because we're selling it and I ain't got time for all that. Um, so I thought I'm just going to throw it out and hope that it kind of comes in. And most of it did well, except for these two little patches on the very front entrance to the sidewalk. Which I just thought was like, either the devil or like God's joke. So I'm going with God's joke. Um, but it's the exact place you come in. It's the first impression. And Kara can attest that um, daily I would have to go out and try to just water this one spot because the soil was hard kind of compacted because I didn't aerate, and it's just kind of sitting on the surface. 
And it was the very last grass, thankfully, that did end up coming in. But it took forever and it took a lot of work because of where it was sown. Same seed, just the location was different than other places of the yard. And it was vulnerable because here's what happens when we sow seed. Uh, Let me give you an interesting fact first that I learned on YouTube from some lady teaching five-year-olds. A seed, even when it's not sown, is actually alive. It's just dormant. And according to a lady who teaches five-year-olds on YouTube, a seed can stay dormant for hundreds and some seeds even thousands of years, which is crazy. So you can have life in the palm of your hand and it just be dormant. Uh, For a seed to grow into something, it needs the right environment. It needs good soil, it needs light, it needs water, it needs the right temperature, it needs the right season. I was sowing a little late this year, so it was a little trickier for the cold nights uh, to really be the best environment for grass. Um, But the seed needs the right environment to grow, and it needs that environment consistently to grow. Amen. Here's what I'm going to say this morning before we go any further, and this is kind of a disclaimer. This is a message this morning that is instructive, not corrective, and I want you to hear that very clearly. Um, as we talk about some of this stuff, I'm not talking about um, one church in specific, us specifically, but this is general principles that I think we can draw from the Word, and it apply to multiple areas of our life. Um, and this can apply to so many spaces, but loosely this morning, I want us to think about being sown in the context of his body. Okay. In fact, I think there's two crucial, there's more, but let's talk about two. There's two crucial places that we need to be rooted for growth. And that is obviously in him, number one. Um, but it's also his body, number two. In fact, as Ephesians 4 would kind of uh, mention in this call to unity and maturity, maturity is not actually possible without us being immersed in the lives, in the atmosphere, in the environment of one another. You need one another to become the thing that's inside of you. Amen? Um, So I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. Let's look at being planted first. Being planted means that we are planted, but it doesn't always mean that we are yet rooted. One more time, say rooted. Um, I'm going to make some statements here. I'm going to read these more as list form, less preachy form this morning, because otherwise I will get in trouble. Um, But people who were planted but never rooted are vulnerable. And not the good kind of vulnerable. Okay, Not like vulnerable, like they're sharing their heart, but vulnerable in the sense um, that a seed without roots is vulnerable to the elements. And in a case like where my yard is shallow and I didn't put straw out, that means that too much rain can wash it away, the wind can blow it away, or those stinky little birds can come and gobble it up, right? It's vulnerable, which means the elements are in control. People who are planted but never rooted are often um, allowing what's going on on the outside to influence what's going on in their inside. Does that make sense this morning? When we are planted but not rooted, what's around me can often influence what's going on inside me. Our peace can be subject to the right conditions. Amen? Okay? Now think about this also in the context of uh, church life. People who are planted but not rooted um, are often easily shaken by something that is shaking. Right? 
Uh, in fact, Jesus mentioned this later in Mark's gospel. He's kind of unpacking the parable of the sower. And he says this, he says, others, look at this principle, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. In other words, something's been planted. It's been sown, but it doesn't have root. Therefore, it's vulnerable to what's going on around it. Uh, in fact, the NASB translates it. It says, but since they have no root, they are only temporary. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Um, can I point something out uh, before I hit this next point? Uh, and not to throw stones or condemn us, but let's just all be honest so we can grow together um, and change things. Um, American church culture is so comfortable. Right? Um, it's so easy. It's it's wired into our life experience, especially Southern America, specifically Southern America. Um, and it, the market is so saturated that we often take it for granted. And what it does, and again, I'm not correcting us this morning. I'm going to say this a lot so that you don't think I'm throwing rocks at you. But I am going to be mean because um, I've been off for three weeks. And I've been moving. I'm cranky. Um, but when it's so saturated, there's so many options, what happens is we struggle to be rooted in an environment because we know we can just go out the back door and find another one. Right? Here's the next point. Um, people who are planted but never rooted um, are usually spectators. If they like what they see, they stay. If they don't, they go. They're always shopping but never buying they're always hopping from pot to pot things are always conditional when we haven't established roots if i don't have roots then how it is if i like it if i don't determines my environment and we jump pot to pot because we're planted but never rooted this is an encouraging message i promise Some of these I'm filtering out right now, so God bless us all. People who are planted but never rooted follow what makes us makes them feel good instead of what is good. Can I tell you this? Uh, vegetables don't always excite you or make you feel good, but they are good for you. Exercise doesn't always feel good, but it's really good for you. What we have sometimes in modern church culture is we avoid... What doesn't feel good and misinterpret it as bad. But a lot of times what doesn't feel good is the very thing that we need uh, to go from being planted to being rooted in something. Amen. So we don't just follow what feels good. We follow what is good. This is why the word is so important. Because if I don't have it as the anchored and the standard for my life, then I have nothing to follow. And I'll be subject to just following the feelings of me. And when I follow the feelings of me, that's a conditional place to do life from. Because when I'm planted and not rooted, my feelings are tossed to and fro by the conditions around me. Which means I'll always be chasing the dopamine trail, finding what makes me feel good. But what feels good isn't always good for you. Amen. Um, I bought cinnamon rolls this weekend. They felt great. But they're not great for me. I did it anyway so that I could stay humble, but they're not good for me. Okay? 
Another one, people who are planted but never rooted mistake seed time for the harvest. Let me um, put it this way. Sometimes when we are planted but never learn to be rooted, um, we can tend to idolize our potential and mistake it for the fruit. Right? Now think about this for a minute. It's the person who's always bragging about how they um, could be as if they already are. Right? I'll tell myself plenty of times in my life, not recently, but long ago when I was unformed and not fruitful. Um, Not recent at all, like years away from right now, because right now I'm crushing it. Um, I'm not. I'm just, that's, yeah. I'm getting crushed. Uh, But plenty of times in my life, I would boast in my own self-perception of myself because I saw my potential, but usually had a blind spot to the fact that my potential had not yet come to pass. In other words, I had a seed that was alive, but it was dormant. And I celebrated the fact that I have a living seed, but the seed has actually gone nowhere yet. It's still just a seed. And sometimes when we're planted but not rooted, we can mistake that really crucial seed time um, for, the de- for the finish line, for the harvest. And sometimes it can put us in a place where we're boasting about our potential but never actually arriving at it. Does that make sense this morning? Um, it's important that we grow and not just camp around potential. Okay, next one. People who are planted but never rooted... And this is where it gets us, cultivate pride instead of humility. Let me tell you a few facts about seed just to add on. That seed, when it's sown, what it does is before anything is ever seen, it starts to grow down. And somehow seeds just know which way is up and which way is down. But before it ever goes this way, it spends a lot of time going this way. It goes down and it goes deeper, then it goes deeper looking for water and minerals. Before there's ever a sprout, there's a deep root that's already formed, right? Um, Can I maybe say it like this? If we're not rooted, we're going to be so subject to cultivating pride because we're never actually learning to give ourselves away to someone else. And when you're planted but not rooted, you're going to jump pot to pot trying to fix you because most of your journey is just about you. And can I tell you that the Christian life, the faith life, the life that is following the heart and the pattern of Jesus has very little to do with you and so much to do with everyone around you. And you will never know who you are if you can't give who you are away to someone else. Amen. What did Jesus say? He said, um, those who seek to save their life lose it. Even uh, this phrase, this idea that's in the Gospels, those who, um, uh, what's, uh, what, what profits it us to, to gain uh, the whole world but lose our soul? In other words, when we're so self-centered that we're building everything based on us, there's clear evidence that we've been planted, but we've never actually rooted anywhere, right? Um, and it leaves us in a place where we're going pot to pot to pot to pot to pot, finding what is satisfying just me. Okay, It gets better, I promise. It's not all mean this morning. Thank you for all the cheering and amens. You guys are great. Um, next one. 
Oh, no, let me camp on this one for a minute. I didn't unpack this. Um, we cultivate pride instead of humility when we don't have roots. Um, you, you, everyone knows someone like this, but they're the fly solo Christian, where it's uh, uh, just me and Jesus mindset. Uh, and I'll hit this one hard because I used to be the guy um, that was just me and Jesus. I don't need church. Amen. I don't need other people. Uh, and in that mindset, people can be liquidated because as soon as they rub you the wrong way, you don't need them. It's just me and Jesus, right? Here's the newsflash. It will never be just you and Jesus. Nothing was designed that way according to Jesus. The church itself is an organism made up of many members, so therefore it will never, nor has it ever been, just you and Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Like you can't get away from each other. Even the people that you run away from, you get to go to heaven with someday and eat dinner with every day for all of eternity uh, and sing songs with and write songs. Like it's just going to be awful for some of us, right? Because it was never designed to be just you and Jesus. And you'll never, ever figure out you when it's just you and Jesus. Now that's not to minimize or reduce that Jesus is awesome and he's everything and he's enough. Absolutely he is. But isn't it funny that the one who could be everything and point everything to him pointed you to other people? Brotherly love, humility, kindness, meekness, self-control, all these things that he says, hey, here's how I want you to be because this is what the kingdom is like, is dependent on you not having a narrative that's just you and Jesus, but it's us and Jesus, right? But when we aren't rooted, it puts us in this place where we cultivate pride instead of humility. Um, And in that place, we're... We're flaky, we're unstable, we're flighty. It's the type of person, um, my early years of planning a church, it was interesting because like God just graced us, like he was just doing something we couldn't do. And what happens is it attracts um, all kinds of people, right? But specifically, and I love them, God knows that I love them, I fought for so many of them, but specifically it attracted this camp of people. That come in, and you can tell who they are. They come in, they're reading the room prophetically, which means they're judging you, right? And you talk to them like, hey, how you doing? Welcome to, you know, such and such church. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh. Like, they're just looking at you like you are just like an embryo Christian. Like, you know, you don't know nothing about the depth of Jesus. And they don't need your church, Right? Um, they're so anti-organized church, right? And they come in and they're there. And when I read this passage, they're planted, but they're not rooted and they're only temporary. It's the temporaries that come through our life that we have to be able to discern and also discern that we are not that because people who are planted but not rooted are flighty, unstable, they're flaky. Um, and here's the other thing that they do. Um, when pride settles in, because we've been unrooted sometimes for so long, it feeds this narrative and false reality that everything and everyone else is the problem. Right? Now here's what I want to say. Sometimes the pot you're in could be the problem. But more often than not, it's the problem is we're jumping pot to pot to pot to pot to pot and never actually being in a pot long enough to take root. Does that make sense? And when we don't have a root, the slightest thing 
causes us to jump. It causes us to fly. It causes us to suffer. Um, I, long story short, this morning, Jesus wants us to be rooted and immersed in something that's bigger than just ourself and our story. Amen. It's himself, but then it's also us. Okay. Um, and again, apply this to more places. I'm speaking specifically about kind of church life this morning because that's where we are. Uh, but this is true of your marriage. It's true of your friendships. It's true of your parenting. If you're planted but not rooted in your marriage, you're going to have issues, right? Um, this is true of so many places. So apply it where you need to this morning. Um, but if you uh, are the person who for so long have just never found the place, I talked to a guy the other day, and he just he can't find a church. He's been looking for years. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, it's southern. There's a lot of churches. If you can't find one, you might be the problem. You know, like at the end of the day, you might just go to one. Can I tell you this? You're never going to find a place without imperfection. Right? Jesus didn't come looking for perfection. He came to a very clear depiction of imperfection and was enough to offset it, but he still embraced it, right? He chose to do something. We'll talk about that maybe in a bit. But again, if you're looking and you can't find it, just self-reflect and say, hey, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I need to root somewhere instead of judge everywhere. Um, because here's the issue again. It can be just you and Jesus. No, you don't have to go to church. And that's absolutely true. It's absolutely true that you can remain a seed and just stay dormant. You can do that for hundreds of years, according to the lady on YouTube teaching five-year-olds. Right? <laughs> Let me say it this way. It's absolutely true that you can remain and have massive potential, but forsake the environment you need to see it birth. Right? And when we do that is when we find ourselves bragging in our own mind about our potential but never actually arriving to the outcome. Okay, amen. Amen. If you're encouraged, don't raise your hand. Okay, that's awesome. A lot of you guys are encouraged. Thank you. Let's talk about being rooted. Whew. Being rooted means that I've stayed in the right environment long enough to start to grow. Pretty simple, right? Here's a characteristic of rooted people. Rooted people have embraced their environment. They've stopped hopping and started committing. And again, to be clear, I'm not talking about some church brand. I'm talking about two people. Let's make it practical. Um, when it comes to marriage, you have to choose your spouse. Right? You lo even if you love her or him, you still have to choose. Love is not always a feeling that you wake up with um, that makes everything easy. There are days and moments you have to choose what love looks like when you don't feel like loving. Yep. I am like just feel like I'm out here on my own. Like no one's marriage can relate to this, and that is not true. Love is a choice, right? Um, that's anyway. But when it comes to being in the right environment, we have to come to a place where we embrace an environment. Let me say it like this. Just pick one and go. Put it in church form. Just find one and go. 
Are, are you going to find one that's perfect? No. So get that out of your head. Stop shopping for that. It makes it easier. Narrows it down. Right? Are you going to find one that is uh, so uniquely you that it just makes sense? This is my tribe. Maybe, maybe not, but just pick one. Um, pick one and dig in. Embrace people. Embrace the environment and embrace it long enough for something to start to emerge. Rooted people are those who have just embraced their environment. It is important that you pick a healthy environment. And you've got to answer that question. Is this good soil? Is this a good place for me? Especially if you're about to get married, you've got to answer those questions. But you do have to pick it. You do have to embrace it. Or you'll always be planted but never rooted. Right? And God wants us to be rooted. Rooted people have embraced their environment. They've stopped shopping, stopped hopping, started committing. Here's what's interesting. Um, if you've ever pulled a plant up, I pulled a dead one up a few weeks ago. And what happens is when you pull, it made it really easy because I had to put one in a spot. But when I pulled the plant up, all that was attached to the roots came with it. So the roots that grew grabbed the soil around it. And now this, what was a mature plant that didn't make it, um, had enough of a root system that when I pulled it up, it brought other things up with it, which is really interesting because when you're rooted, you start to grab onto things. You start to embrace what is around you. Here's another one. Rooted people are focused on growing down, not up. Hmm. You know what was frustrating about my grass adventure a few weeks ago? Because the soil was so hard, I was trying to get the grass to germinate and sprout up. But the problem is I couldn't get it to root down first. It will never sprout up until it's first rooted down. Rooted people are more interested in growing down than they are growing up. They're more uh, interested and they're prioritizing the unseen more than they are the seen. They want to grow in humility instead of pride. They've embraced serving others instead of being served. Um, oh, gosh. I just wanted to go on a rabbit trail that would get... Let's do it. Um, <sighs> don't laugh yet. Uh, I was a part of a church culture one time. Um, and God, give me grace here. The great people love them to death. And... Um, but the entire culture of the church, and we, we stuck out like a sore thumb. This was never uh, any of our theology or mindset. Um, but it was a short season in our, in our life. Um, and we knew kind of the importance, uh, or I knew the importance of just embracing. If you're going to be there, honor people and leadership and all those things. Like just serve them as if they're crushing it. Um, but in my mind, they were not crushing it, and I didn't like it. I didn't want to be there. I just felt like God had told me to be there. And my tension was, if I'm going to be there, I have to honor these people. I have to love these people. And i got to keep my mouth shut and not become a thorn in their flesh, tell them that they're doing everything wrong. Because I don't want to be that flaky guy saying it's just me and Jesus and you guys are horrible at church and I've got all the answers, right? I was doing that in my mind. I wasn't doing it out loud. But the whole model of the church was serving the man of God, the bishop, the man in charge, the pyramid scheme of plastic church where we just convince people. That if you do this, God's going to bless you with everything if you just take care of the man of God. And the entire church culture was about being served and serving those above you. 
And the entire leadership model was not about servanthood, but about being served. Can I tell you that is the exact opposite of the kingdom of God? How could God in the flesh come and serve people, wash feet, give his life, and not require being served? People who are rooted have learned that it's about serving, not being served. And I promise you, the best version of you is on the other side of that equation. The best potential to be tapped into is birth to those formative places of really getting the revelation that giving myself away is how I figure out myself. Serving other people is part of being rooted. So here, let me, let me give you some encouragement here. If you're one of those people, you're struggling to find the right church or the perfect spouse to marry, Stop focusing on your checklist and start serving them. Amen? Stop trying to look for their perfection and just start giving yourself away to them. Um, Because it's through serving uh, sometimes that we get set free of our own uh, mental prison. So um, people who are rooted give, choose to give over receiving, they love over judging. Here's another one. Rooted people are stable because of trust. Here's a verse in Jeremiah. Just draw this principle out, 17, 7 through 8. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. There will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Which means that Part of being rooted is directly tied to my level of trust in the Lord. And part of me trusting the Lord means that I'm yielding and abandoning my perspective to the zoomed out version of his rather than the zoomed in narrative of mine. The reason we struggle to grow roots is usually because our view is so myopic and zoomed in that we're looking at every little thing instead of learning to zoom out and catch the perspective of heaven and what the father sees can i tell you it is a lot harder to zoom in and judge someone if i'm zoomed out enough that i can see god's image on them whether they're performing in it whether they're acting like it or whether or not they even know it if i can see the father's heart for someone it's a heck of a lot harder to live in reaction to the zoomed in version than it is the zoomed out version and sometimes in seasons of life we really do have to learn the art of trusting god because that's where we get the most deeply rooted in him amen Um, but someone that's rooted has learned to trust the Lord and they're stable. They're no longer uh, vulnerable to the elements. They're no longer shaken by what's going on around us. Um, In fact, let me mention this quickly. Um, Here's what happens so often. Uh, Maybe you've done this, maybe you know someone who has. They go maybe to a new church or they find a new spouse or whatever the new thing is. Um. And it's the best thing in the world. They finally found it. You know where I'm going with this. For about 60 days. And then it's not the best thing anymore. Why? Because they were there long enough to zoom in. Right? And what was always there, 60 days prior, when it was the best thing, now they just see what they didn't see 60 days ago. 
Um, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. They were always naked. The fall came, caused them to zoom in on what they always were. They had always been that in the presence of God. There was no problem. There was no shame. There was no sickness. There was no brokenness. But now all of a sudden, the zoomed-in narrative that was caused through the fall was a problem. The thing that they always were is now an issue. Even though right before they ate that apple or whatever it was, it was the best thing in the world. And now all of a sudden, it's the worst. Why? They zoomed in. Instead of living according to God's perspective over a situation, they zoomed in and had it redefined. This is what we struggle with so often and things that we divide over. Okay, let's keep going. Being fruitful. Last one. Then I'm going to pray for us um, in just a few minutes. Being fruitful. Being fruitful. Being fruitful means that I'm remaining planted. Everybody say remaining. It means that I'm, be, I'm remaining planted and rooted in the right environment. This speaks more of consistency. Um, fruitful people have learned to remain. Jesus says this, again, principle. Uh, he says, John 15, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's using the word remain a lot because he knows, as you're going to see as he goes to the cross, a lot of people didn't remain, but he knows the fickleness of humanity that we start, we plant, and even sometimes start to dig some roots, but we don't always remain. Okay? Um. Here's what I would say. Don't uproot from an environment that is challenging you. In fact, um, you can't grow if you avoid everything that is resistance. Right? Uh, I had a friend of mine who was uh, I used to work out with. I know it doesn't look like it, but he was a, a fitness coach and uh, we used to work out and sometimes he would take like this little rubber band and literally I couldn't walk the next day he would take the most I'd look at him and be like oh come on dude seriously like give me some let's make some meat today you know like give me some big stuff um, but he would take a little stretchy band and I literally could not do what he would want me to do and I would just be so fatigued um, that I just felt like not a man of God um <laughs> And he'd always joke with me. I was like, dude, I cannot do another one. He's like, now you're starting to work out. Now you're starting to grow. Ugh. How many of us stay rooted long enough until a point of discomfort and then we uproot? Could it be that that point of discomfort is actually the point we're starting to grow to a place that maybe we have not been before? Could it be that that's the very resistance I need to see that potential that's dormant in my seed be birthed into something that can be fruitful and multiply into what I'm called to be? But sometimes we uproot and instead of growing through something, we avoid something and we forsake the very environment we need to grow. It's one thing to be planted. It's another to be rooted. But then it's a whole other thing to remain and become fruitful. It means you got to stay in the pot. And again, 
If you're in the wrong pot, that's a different story. Um, but more often than not, the pot is fine. That sounded awesome, didn't it? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor, tell him that. No, I don't know. How, I don't know how to do that. Never made it that far. Okay. And keep reading a few a few more of these. Um, let me say this one more thing. Roots grow deep through the dirt, and they embrace the dirt. Don't avoid the dirt. You need the dirt to grow. Now, don't go play in the dirt as an excuse to be dirty. Um, but growth means there's going to be something dirty that you have to embrace rather than avoid. Amen? Please keep that in a, in a healthy context, but it's just simply true. Uh, another one, fruitful, fruitful people have learned to embrace seasons but not blame them. Okay. Here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes we uproot from a place and we blame it on a season. Okay. <laughs> we get in so much trouble with some of these this morning. Uh, we leave our church or we leave our friendship or we leave our thing because we're just in a season. Sometimes that's true, it's valid, it's fine. A lot of times it's an excuse. A lot of times we're going through a season, um, a self-created season, because we're actually avoiding the real season we need to go through to grow, right? Because the season I'm going through is easier than the season I could have gone through. People who are rooted and learn to remain don't pick and choose the season. They learn to discern the season. In other words, it's extremely important. Let's put it in a relational context. If John's my friend, one of the things I have to do relationally is I have to learn to not judge always what John is, but discern where or when John is. Um, Because if I judge everything about everyone, there's going to be moments that we're just flighty. We leave, we jump, we uproot. But if I can understand when someone is, where someone is, where something is, when something is, then I'm not going to uproot. Here's a great example. If I look at my yard the next day after sowing grass seed and I decide there's no grass, I'm frustrated. This place is desolate. It's a wasteland. Let's burn it down. Makes no sense because we're smart enough to know it takes a few weeks for seed to germinate. So I just have to discern when something is. So now I'm not even judging what it is. I'm not judging the fact it's not producing fruit yet because I've learned to discern when something is. And it sets me free of judgment and it sets other people free of my stones. Because if we learn to discern and embrace seasons instead of blaming them, we won't uproot in times of dormancy. We'll understand it's an important time. Right, Just because leaves aren't on the tree or it's not growing apples doesn't mean that it's dead and should be abandoned. 
it's actually going through a process it needs to come into the next season where it can be more fruitful than the season before. But so many people don't make it to that next season because we uproot, because we can't discern when something is. Amen? It's true of yourself. Don't throw rocks at yourself because of when you are. Right? Zoom out. Say, Father, when am I? What season is like what's what's happening here? Because I feel dormant. I don't see the apples you promised me. But that's okay. Here's here's a here's a passage to back it up. Blessed is the one who walks not in step with the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of mockers, but who delight, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. He's telling you an environment. Someone in that environment, here's the outcome, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, a life source, which yields its fruit in season. Which implies there's some seasons it's not yielding fruit. Does it mean it's not a fruitful tree? Absolutely not. It means it's going through the cycle of its design. And there is a season where fruit is obvious, but there's a season where roots have to go deep. If we can't discern that, then we uproot in seasons of dormancy. We blame the tree. Here's here's the one I hate the most, and I promise I'm about to pray for us. Here's the one I hate the most. I hate when people would come in, you know, to a season of our church life and say, you know what? We got to go. God's not moving anymore. Oh, God's not on this place. You know how just stupid that is. Because what's so spooky about the Gospels, he's so intertwined in the places you don't think he would be. That's never going to be true. You could go to the most uptight religious church you want to find and throw rocks at it. And I promise you somewhere, probably in a lot more volume than you could fathom, is the presence of God just sitting on the other side of people who maybe are unaware. But I promise you it's equal proportion to those who are thinking they're crushing the presence of God. David said, if I make my bed in in hell, there you are. David had a revelation that there's not a place I can go that he's not on the other side of. I can't even hide from who he is. People who learn to remain have come to this place where they can discern a season and they don't uproot in moments of dormancy. Just because the fruit's not there doesn't mean that it should be abandoned and that it's not fruitful. You've got to discern when something is so that you don't uproot. Okay. Last one. Fruitful people realize their fruit isn't for them, it's for others. Hmm. It's funny, I think of the passage where the two Greeks came to see Jesus. And they knock on the door and say, hey, we just want to see Jesus. Big fans. And Jesus comes out with a just really arbitrary, seemingly arbitrary statement. And he goes into this like poetic, just, you know, speech. He says, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. 
which seemingly makes no sense to their request to see Jesus. But Jesus is actually answering the question of how you see him. See, in the very model of Jesus, Jesus comes knowing that his mission wasn't himself, but it was everyone else. Knowing that himself being immersed and buried in the dirt and the dust of humanity as the root of an incorruptible seed and an incorruptible God spent time in the unseen rather than the seen. Isn't it interesting? Jesus didn't come to propone his ministry, uh, to write his book. He didn't come to do all of these things. Even though he had the best ideas in the world, he could have done all that uh, we would have probably done in his shoes. But Jesus comes and he prioritizes the unseen over the scene and he goes deep into the dirt of humanity (laughs) and like roots he starts to grab everything around him a woman at a well a woman in adultery a pharisee a tax collector he starts to grab everyone that no one else would even look at much less touch and he's lifted up on the cross and he gives his life He's broken apart. And he's planted in the grave for three days. And three days later, he's raised to life. This plant that was sown, that sprouted, that seemingly died, went dormant for three days. Now all of a sudden, three days later, the spirit of life plucks back up. Here's what's beautiful about the gospel. Jesus came. And instead of going up, he went down. Because in going down, those roots grabbed everything that was around him. Everything that was broken under the fall of humanity. So that when he was plucked up in resurrection, he brought everything with him that needed to be restored. That's why the Bible says, if you are raised with Christ. Well, how were you raised? Because God came and grew his roots deep into the dust of us. See, your fruit's not for you. It's for everyone around you. And people who have learned to remain understand that the importance of fruit, can I tell you this? The harvest of your maturity isn't for you. It's for everyone else. And the way you know you're actually harvesting maturity is you're bringing others with you in your season of harvest. I understand that my growth is important because it's not for me, it's for them. As a father, my maturity is important for my children. As a husband, my maturity is important for my wife. As a pastor, my maturity is important for a church. It's not that important for me, even though it's great. But rooted people who remain understand that our harvest isn't actually for us. And we need that revelation of servanthood or we won't have the endurance to spend that many days in the dirt and that many seasons through the storm and that many seasons going through dormancy and fruit and dormancy and fruit. But when you can discern that, hey, it's actually not for me. Man, I don't know, it just makes it easier. But we can't just be planted with potential. We can't just be rooted for a moment and then uprooted. We have to learn the extreme importance of remaining. Just like Jesus modeled. I want to pray for us um, this morning. Again, 
Here's what I want you maybe to just take home and ask questions to yourself about. Really reflect and just say, hey, am I staying rooted? Am I remaining in the spaces that I need to? Am I staying rooted in my marriage? Am I staying rooted and present with my children? Am I staying rooted consistently in a body of believers? Am I staying rooted in my time with the Lord? You, you can't, like, talk to Jesus once a year and, the, and then expect, like, to be a vineyard, you know? Like, he loves you. You can go to heaven. It's fine. You can do all that. You can be a seed and be dormant. But that's not what he wants for your life. He wants you to be fruitful um, so that we can all come up together. Amen. Let's stand really quick. Father, we just um, we acknowledge that you are this vine dresser that we can't comprehend. God, that the intentional way that you not just created us, but sowed life into us breathe life into us, has a purpose. And God, I pray this morning that you would do something that we can't do. God, open spaces that we can. I specifically felt this morning, maybe just with your eyes closed, reflect on this, but I specifically felt um, for someone this morning, you can grab me after church if this is for you or the prayer team, but there's people here this morning who have for seasons camped around your potential but never seen it sprout and maybe you feel stuck and maybe you've even landed on a narrative that that's just how it's going to be and maybe that's turned into a mindset of self-sabotage and here's what I felt this morning I feel like God's just going to supernaturally set people free of that place this morning So, Father, I just pray over those minds who feel stuck, they feel trapped, they feel in the dirt, they feel like seed that's just dormant, and they know it, and they've seen it, and they've felt it, and they just don't know how to unlock it. They don't know what the outlet is. Father, I pray that you would do what only you know how to do. God, that transcends the places of self-help. It transcends the space of my responsibility, and it teeters into the heavenly place where you can do something that awakens a seed and stirs soil in a way that we never could. So God, give us your grace this morning. God, help us grow roots that are deep and help us remain and commit in brotherly love to one another in the church and our friendships and our marriages. And last, Father, we just we thank you for the word made flesh that came and embraced us, that committed to us, that chose us with all of our imperfections. You came and you rooted deeply into who we are. And we trust you with that mysterious layer of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dan. I was um, thinking about that same verse Dan wrote, unless a corner of wheat falls into the ground and dies, 
it abides alone. And one of the points I would like to emphasize is how God is trying to give us an understanding of the process so we don't short-circuit what he's doing. Um, actually, in that same passage where, where Jesus says, unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, a verse after it, Jesus says, my soul is exceedingly troubled. But for that, this is the hour I came. So even in Jesus' life, he was hoping to avoid the inevitability of certain kinds of trouble that were actually part and parcel of his purpose. And I thought about one other thing I thought was really interesting. Dan was saying that the route to go up, you've got to go down first. And usually it's in a place of invisibility or people not really seeing you and what's going on. And that can be very hard on us. But um, there is something about going down to go up that is unavoidable. I mean, from years back, a friend of mine was in Florida at, it was either Cape Canaveral or Cape Kennedy. And they were digging these big holes in the ground to pour uh, so much concrete for those rockets, for the foundation for the rockets. And they had to really, you know, go incredibly deep. And he imagined a scenario where somebody looked in that hole and there'd be a down there, guy down there digging and digging. And he would say, what are you doing? Look way down the hole. And the guy would look up and say, we're going to the moon. <laughs> and that's, that's how you get where you're going you go through something you don't understand and you stick with it till the inevitability of the fruit is born. But if you don't stick with it, you it's almost like a test. Rick Joyner used to say, you never ultimately flunk a test with God. You just take it over and over and over and over. So... We need to pass them. So we do have prayer teams. The Schroeders are up here. They'll be glad to pray for you. If you need some help or some ministry, why don't you come on up? And the rest of you, we don't care what you do. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Have a great rest of the weekend. Find somebody you'd like to know and um, be vulnerable. And that'll work out really good, okay? You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.